The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Someone in in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself, Now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. If you look to the things of the church world, you may have noticed that this week has been the celebration of World Youth Day in Krakow, Poland. Uh, so uh, basically well over a million uh, young people, youth and young adults from all over the world have traveled to Poland uh, to be able to celebrate uh, the gift of faith uh, with Pope Francis as well as with you know, a number of bishops and cardinals from their own countries and to have celebrations of masses and, and various prayer services Uh, catechesis, uh, and this sort of thing. So it's a a beautiful celebration that's taking place to see the the life and the faith of so many people coming together, especially in the presence of Pope Francis. But one of the things that's intrigued me is the visits of Pope Francis while he's been there. He went, of course, to to visit the the large crowds of people, and you see what we normally see in Pope Francis's face, a great smile, great joy, just the, the light shining in his eyes that uh, that, that makes people want to want to watch him. That make, it makes people want to follow him in this sense. But what intrigued me even more was his face as he went to uh, the concentration camp at Auschwitz. Of how that face that's usually so marked with joy was very solemn, somber even. As he walked quietly through those to those pathways. You could see by his bodily posture, by the look on his face, that he was contemplating within his heart a profound mystery. He knew it was, the place was a, uh, one of, of, of great suffering for millions of people. But also the profound mystery of what does it all mean? What's the purpose behind it? It's one of those things that as you begin to, to look at those questions and, and to have them posed to you, you can't really find good answers. You can't find a, a good answer for why did, it, why did this all happen? Why did God allow this to happen? How could this happen? You know, how could people be so, uh, so, so careless as to do such things to others? There are really no answers when it comes down to it on that end. And in fact, if we listen to some of the survivor accounts of those who survived the sufferings there, they're rather terrifying. 
to be able to hear exactly what happened to people. About how so many people were killed, certainly, but beaten, starved, mocked, abused in, in, in ways that are unimaginable up until that point, it seemed. From those who speak of it from first-hand experience, they talk about how many people of faith in the midst of such intense sufferings, in the midst of such, uh, of such pain, really, how many people of great faith lost faith? How many who had been the leaders in the Jewish community up until that point, walk, walking around and, and just saying, what's the point of this all? What's the meaning of this? Is God with us? What about being the chosen people? So many questions they had in their heart and they lost faith. Viktor Frankl was an individual who himself was there in the concentration camp at Auschwitz. He was a a psychologist, a psychotherapist. He was a man of the Jewish faith. He was a man of rationality. Being a psychologist, he liked to understand why things would happen as they did in the human person. And so while he was there as one suffering, he was one also there thinking. He saw in the many sufferings that they endured that one of the things that that he personally recounted was how the guards, the Nazi guards, would take and they would starve the people for days, for weeks on end, until they were were just about at at the end of the rope. And then they would take a single loaf of bread and throw it in the middle of the quarter and watch people swarm, hoping that the adults would push the children, push the sick, push the elderly out of the way so they could survive for themselves. And certainly it happened with many. Many gave up all, all you know, human resemblance. It became much more like animals than anything else. But Viktor Frankl also noticed that there were many people who didn't do that. They kept their dignity. If they found themselves with a piece of bread, they would take it and bring it to those who were more in need than them. They would bring it back to the sick who couldn't get out of their beds that morning. They would bring it to the children to care for them. To the elderly who knew that they needed more sustenance than the individual themselves. And he was intrigued by this. He also began to realize that when it came down to it, there were basically one reason why that was usually the case. Those people had a purpose. That's something bigger than just what was right in front of them. As he looked around, he began to see that the individuals, uh, they were looking for something more. They had a purpose for what was lying ahead. They had loved ones still out there. They had friends they wanted to see again. A home they wanted to revisit. Dreams they wanted to fulfill. Hopes still alive within their heart. And it's those things that help them to stay human. To be able to stay Charitable, loving, faithful. It would be easy to give up hope in so many other situations. But Victor, he continued to strive for purpose. He found his purpose. Part of his purpose that he found was to be able to help others find theirs. Oftentimes at night they would, they would be lined up in the bunks all trying to sleep. And people would be talking about the hopelessness of the situation. And Victor would simply speak to them one by one, individually, and say, Do you have any family? Yeah, I've got, I've got a sister. She, she was able to get out and she went to so-and-so. Well, wouldn't it be great to see her again? Yeah, it would be great. I would love to see her again. 
Have you ever, does anybody have any dreams, right? Oh man, I would love to go see such and such. And as he would talk, as he would ask these questions, it would increase the hope within the hearts of those who were listening and responding. Those who had no hope began to find a meaning. They began to find a purpose to it all. And many of them lived. Victor realized that basically if those, those who had a meaning, those who had a purpose, those who had some hope within their hearts, they tended to, to live better. They lived longer. Many of them lived to be able to escape from the camp, to get out, to be freed. But those who lost hope gave it up rather quickly and died. Whenever Victor got out, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning on this entire approach of having a purpose, having a meaning to life in a sense. And he said that he, became, he came up with an axiom in a sense as he was living there in Auschwitz, enduring the sufferings himself, but also witnessing them in others. And it was this, if we have a why to live, we can endure almost any how. If we have a purpose, if we have hope within our heart for something more, we can endure any sufferings in this life because we have something to cling to that they can't take away. One of the things that he spoke of specifically in his book was regards to love for others. Love for, for one's spouse, especially oftentimes. And he would say, in the greatest of the sufferings, you can still love your beloved. They can't take that away from you. And it was that that he clung to as well as many others. A meaning, a purpose. Our first reading today is one that can be rather heavy. The book of Ecclesiastes is an intense book that many question why it's even in the scriptures because it seems rather depressing, honestly, if you read through it. It can be, it can be kind of a somber feel as you're going through it. We get, we get a short three verses of it today. The whole book is about six pages long. And we get it once in the three-year cycle of Sunday readings. So in the, in the three years that we read scriptures on Sundays and holy days, we get three verses of this book. And you just heard them all. Go home and read it. It takes just a few minutes. Because it has an important purpose for us. It helps us to grapple with the mystery of life. The mystery sometimes of the meaningless of meaninglessness of things. Trying to understand, much like the people in the concentration camps, what's the purpose of this life? The reader, or the writer rather, Koheleth, the preacher or the teacher, as it's often, often described, he begins, vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. What a great start, huh? Everything is vanity. In the seminary, we, we studied the word vanity. The, 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 the Hebrew word is hevel. And our, our teacher continued to pre present us with different uh, definitions or translations of that Hebrew word and its basic meaning. It had over 30, if I remember correctly. And every one of them applied differently in different situations. Useless. Wasted time. A burst of air that just simply comes and goes. A meaningless breath. Waste, vanity, uselessness. Everything is vanity. Vanity of vanities. He can hear the, the ache in his heart as he struggles with understanding this life. He looks and he says, he's going, okay, those who have wealth, 
those who have skill, those who have worked for all these things, we build up all of this stuff. And somebody who hasn't done a single freaking thing, they get all of it. What is the point of this life? I work and I have all of these things. I have wealth, I have power, I have honor, I have authority, I have strength, I have all of this stuff. And in the end, I die just the same as someone who has none of it. What is the purpose? Why are we here? And it's this great weight on the heart. Why are we here? What's the meaning of it all? At the end of the book, he goes through each of those things and he, and he, he looks more in depth at, at wealth, at, at power, at health, at honor, at, at, at worldly wisdom, at skill, all of these things. He goes through and, and at each one of them, he immerses himself fully into it and then realizes this too is vanity, a chasing after the wind, uselessness. At the end of it all, he says and he understands all of these things, they mean nothing, really. So in the end, enjoy the good things that come from God and follow in His ways. Period. You have wealth? Good. Enjoy it. You have honor and prestige? Good. Enjoy it. Good health? Good. Enjoy it. All of these things, the blessings from God, enjoy them. But don't place your hopes in them. Because in these things do not consist your life. Right? That's what the Lord speaks to us. We can have all of these things, and great if we do. But ultimately, that's not what counts. That's not the things that matter to God. St. Paul reminds us to be able to lift up our eyes to heaven. To think of those things that are above, not of the things that are on earth. He's essentially taking the message of Koheleth and, and, and transforming it and, and, and preaching it to the Colossians to whom he's teaching. He said, don't, don't focus on all this stuff. If you have it, good, fine. But remember, you've died in Christ. And if we've died in Christ, we will rise with him. Think of the things that are above. Think of heaven. Think of God, the blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The glory of the angels, the glory of the saints, the life of the world to come, eternity with God. Think of these things. Enjoy the things of the world, but set your hearts there. Set your hearts in heaven. That's what the Lord calls us to through the words of St. Paul. But not only that, he calls us himself. In the parable, he does basically the same thing. I've stored up all my possessions, and in the end, you know, your life will be demanded of you this night, you fool. Someone else takes it all. In your nice big barn with all the stuff that you thought you had all secured, ready for years to come, goes to someone else. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? We must be rich in the things that matter to God. And what are the things that matter to God? What's important to God? We could take another phrase from the Gospels and, and, and simply insert it. Another way, what's the most important commandment? You all know it, we've all heard it, right? Love God, love neighbor. What's the things that matter to God? Love God, love neighbor. What's the meaning of life? Love God, love neighbor. That's the purpose. 
That's what Viktor Frankl helped to instill within the hearts of each of those who were losing hope or had somewhat lost it. To be able to remind them, love God, love neighbor. Your wife, love her. Lift up your heart so you can hopefully see her again. Your sister, love her. Lift up your heart so you can see her again. Those dreams, those hopes, desires within your heart, love them. Lift them up so you might be able to go to fulfill them. Love God, love neighbor. St. Maximilian Kolbe was a Franciscan priest who himself died in Auschwitz. He was one who was captured because he was Catholic, because he was a priest. It wasn't just the Jews who were who often persecuted um, in, the, uh, in the Holocaust. And so he was captured for basically preaching against the Nazis and encouraging the life of faith in Germany. So he was there in the camp one day when someone escaped. And the policy was that if someone escaped or tried to escape, ten other men would be lined up and shot at random as a way of discouraging people from trying to get out. Because you knew if you, if you got out, ten of your friends died. How's that for a little weight on your heart? And so they, they, they would do that. And so somebody, of course, someone tried to get away. And ten men were lined up at random, ready to be killed. And one of them was crying. And he was weeping. My wife, my children, my wife, my children. He had a purpose. He had hope. And St. Maximilian, in the midst of the crowd, stepped forward and he said, I take that man's place. Love God, love neighbor. And he stepped forward and took that man's place in line to be condemned to death. And he did. He suffered a martyr's death. The man ultimately was, he survived. And he went off. He was reunited with his wife and children. St. Maximilian chose well. He, had, he too had a meaning and a purpose. Love God, love neighbor. We can look at countless others who did much the same, Victor Frankl himself even, to be able to, to sacrifice of himself. He too could have, he could have just caved in on himself and worried about his own, his own needs, his own desires, his own hopes and dreams, but he reached out to others to help them find theirs. Love God, love neighbor. All of that ultimately is just a witness and a shadow of what Jesus did for us. Who taking on our flesh endured many sufferings even to his death on the cross. In obedience to the Father's will. Love God. Love neighbor. So that's the call. That's what Jesus invites us to today. To remember our meaning, to remember our purpose in the course of this life. Not to be caught up in the things of the world. Not to be caught up with, with, with wealth and wisdom and power and honor and health and prestige and all this stuff. If you have it, good. Rejoice in it. Praise God. But don't stay there. Lift your eyes to heaven. Lift your eyes to the Lord. Because at some point, either in the past, in the present, in the future, for yourself and for others... There will be a moment when we will want to cry out in the depths of our heart, vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. Why am I here? Why is this happening? And in those moments, we will know in the depths of our heart, our meaning and our purpose and our hope. Love God. Love neighbor.